Welcome to chapter 72 of our podcast. We got sick on our boat trip. You're such a baby. Yes, we just returned from a wonderful vacation with friends on a Uniworld riverboat cruise up the Douro River in Portugal. Yeah, and we got sick. I don't know if I mentioned it. <laughs> this is Jeff and Julie moved to France during a global pandemic. Oh, we made it through that. <laughs> anyway, yeah, no, no, we had a great time, but gee whiz. You know, like, the thing that, so we made. We're here three years. We travel across the world in the middle of a pandemic with dogs on planes. <laughs> nothing. No problem. Not a cough. <laughs> and then the big payoff is, is this trip, which has been in the works for over a year. And in the middle of the trip, not even the middle of the trip, I get just, you, you know. got labeled. Just labeled. I got the chest cold, the... And there were, I know how I got it too. There was some woman on there coughing. I just know yeah. it. She's, yeah, she's patient, patient zero. She's the one who gave it to super well, spreader. We all got Every, everybody sick. got it. Yeah, everybody so, got some form of this. Yeah, but you know, once we got back home, you had to deal with it because oh, I'm still dealing with well, it. Well, you technically, we both are, but you uh, tech, usually chronically get a sinus infection and after a cold, which is the doctor said is pretty normal. It's the cherry on the cake. But, but trying to get you the medicine that you needed, the uh, antibiotics, oh. was a giant feat. First call was to our doctor, our general practitioner. She doesn't give prescriptions over the over the phone and doesn't do Zoom. Her first available con- consultation was way into July. Can you believe that? So here <laughs> we've spent all this time getting a doctor and the doctor's of no use. Just... <laughs> well, not in this case because we needed medication or you needed medication right away. So we went back to Dr. Olib, which is a fantastic website, oh. found a doctor in Toulouse who could do a video conference, booked that appointment. And then he canceled. That, that morning, we, you were canceled. I was canceled. <laughs> and then we took an old prescription from a previous occasion, brought it to the pharmacy, asked if they could fill the prescription. She said, no, it has to be current. So back to the drawing board, and finally we found another doctor who could do a video conference. And she was amazing. And you got all of your meds prescribed into your personal space on Dr. Lib. I went to the pharmacy yesterday to pick up the three things that you needed. Mm-hmm. But of course, when you're going to pick up someone else's medicine, yeah. you need to have their their carte vitale, not your own. You need to have the prescription from the doctor, and you need to have your up-to-date mutual, which I didn't have, because the mutual, which is the insurance company... Okay, enough, enough, <laughs> enough. This is tedious. <laughs> well, it was exhausting, yeah. but right. but now you're feeling better, now you have I'm your medication. feeling good. We got everything fixed up. Mutuals, <laughs> up-to-date, yeah. all this. Good Lord. Uh, but you know what? It it did sort of uh, rain on our parade a bit because we were always in groups of three. Our our, our group of four, there was always someone in bed. Like uh, our friends uh, Angie and Brian joined us from California. Uh, they've been living there for about 30 years, fellow Canadians. And uh, we just, you know, we, we haven't seen them in about three years. And it's one of those relationships that picks up from the day we said goodbye the last time. Yeah, it's just are, it's, that's the mark of a true friendship. Yeah, it just I'm, I'm telling you, we just had, despite all of this, uh, we just had a great time. And at some point, everybody was in bed with this stupid thing. I I got tagged the worst. Uh, but uh, you According know, according to you, oh no, come on, <laughs> you, this was not 
your little cold thing. This was it's, it's a man cold. Man cold. <laughs> Holy, just. But anyway, we you know what they they wanted to see our setup here, so it was really great. They flew in, uh, and they just ignored Paris. Actually, they flew in. <laughs> they flew into Paris and got right on the train and popped out 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 our way. And uh, we just had a great time. They they got to hang out with the dogs for a bit. Oh, yeah. I think they really liked this pack. And well, we, went, we took them walking in the forest to the chateau. Yeah. And uh, we went for lunches and wine tastings and had really a general great time. Yeah. And, and they were only here for three days. We, went, we, had, we took the dogs into the uh, our little favorite little doggy hotel, a chien hotel. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, they, they said at the end of the trip, well, if we go anywhere else in Europe, which we are planning to do in a couple of years, uh, we're still coming to see you because we want to see the puppies. And <laughs> you know, it's just it's just great. So uh, we, we ended up just having a, a killer time over the two or three days here. And yeah, we went to uh, back to Good Goudot, is that how you say it? Goudot, 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 yeah. Goudot, uh, Chateau Goudot, uh, picked up some wine there, did some nice uh, tastings, and to another old haunt, uh, Chateau du Cedre. Yeah, again, in the Caol region, Mm -hmm. so very um, popular for their Malbec uh, varietal. Yeah, yeah. No, it was fun. We had a great time. And then... Uh, you know, I was very nervous about booking EasyJet. I, I really was. I was, first of all, nervous because of all the delays going on for one reason or another. And it has nothing to do with COVID anymore, but it has to do with the French protests. And we were kind of rolling the dice because we were leaving here on the check-in day uh, on, on our boat cruise, which we'll get to in a minute. But you know what? I got to tell you. I have never been so impressed with an airline in my entire life. I'm talking in my entire life, including Air France. This was like, I'm telling you, uh, first of all, the EasyJet website is exactly to its name. It is the most user-friendly website I think I've ever seen. Boom, boom, boom. You pick your seats. You want leg room. You, you want add luggage. Bah, 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 bah. When we went to Toulouse to check in, it was a breeze. We left right on time and it was comfortable. People were kind. Just so impressed with EasyJet. So were Brian and Angie. Like, oh, yeah. Just... Yeah. And it kind of has a connotation as being a, like a discount airline, oh, but be- it was not. Better than the premium airlines. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I, I just have nothing but good things to say about EasyJet. I hope this makes it to somebody at EasyJet because uh, you guys, you did a great job. We're fans. Now. now um, we are going to do this in two parts, okay? We're going to do the, our trip to Porto in two parts. There was so much uh, stuff to, to talk about. And one of them was the trip home. Well, we couldn't book EasyJet on the way home because they left too early. So we had to use another airline. And we'll save that story for you uh, next week in part two of our Porto uh, experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally different story. <laughs> totally different mm-hmm. story. <laughs> yep. So we land in Porto, and, and it's it's beautiful. You've got the Atlantic Ocean, and then you've got the Douro River that that feeds into the ocean. And we get into a, a, a wonderful taxi, and he drives us to um, the, the boat. And there are, I want to say, 
a thousand motorcycles? It was like, uh, yeah, was it June 13th? Was it Friday the 13th in Port Dover? I don't know, but that's what it reminded me of. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm sorry. I know a lot of you guys are, you're loving your, your hogs and this and that and your crotch rockets. I just, I can't take the racket. I can't take the noise. So there we are, and they're all wheeling around in the area where t- typically the tourists are walking, and it's just like, oh, go home. What are you, like, just, anyway, it's kind of ruined the introduction to our boat because as you're walking around, you really are have to have your wits about you with these yeah. motorcycles all over the place. Yeah, and our, our taxi driver said, um, yeah, it'll, it'll be in the paper tomorrow. And I said, what? Oh, the accident's. Oh, yeah, because they get into it. Yeah, and then... yeah, they, they tip a few and then they get back on their their bikes and their he said it's it's a regularly Monday morning news. Oh jeez. Anyway, we we boarded and uh the the boat is impeccably clean I gotta and tell you, beautiful. I, I've never seen <laughs> You know, we filled. We recently filled out the uh, the survey for un- the Uniworld trip. And first of all, this this they used COVID to get this boat ready. It's the San Gabriel uh, out of Porto down the Douro River. It's been running since 2021. So they used that time off to really up- update this boat. And I got to tell you, it is just you could eat off the floors. It is just kept so clean. Really beautiful. Staff was really welcoming. Oh. Um, very well informed. Um, so we walked around Porto for a little bit because we couldn't actually check in till later on in the day. Yeah, they were happy to take our bags and then, uh, hey, go visit the port. Actually, I really like that layout. So it was an eight-day cruise, and we arrived on Sunday. And uh, for those that arrived early enough, there was lunch. You could, you could grab a little bit of food already on the boat. And then there was dinner. But you really don't start sailing till Monday around 1.30 in the afternoon. So you even have the Monday morning to play around. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, on the Sunday we walked around. Uh, what, what did we – I can't even remember what we did. Well, we went – we crossed the bridge. Oh, yeah, right. Because we, yeah. we were on the Gaia side and we crossed the bridge into por- official Porto. And there were all these little artisanal, you mm-hmm. know, tables and stands. And so I bought a straw hat. Oh, yeah, and we and bought cards we for bought our – playing cards. For our game <laughs> yeah. that we play. Yeah. And uh, it it was lovely walking around, and then we uh, we went back for some some lunch, um, casually checked into our room. Now I have to say, when we checked into our room, shocked. we all were a bit shocked. Very shocked. It was it, it, essentially picture picture a double bed, and then give it about eighteen inches uh, or two feet on all sides of the double bed, and. There's your room. That's your room. Plus a bathroom. And ours was an upgrade. Yes. <laughs> ours was an upgrade. Now, because we had a bigger window. It's funny, though. When we remember, we used to go on those sailing trips, which I hated, uh, to the BVIs and stuff. I couldn't, because I, I oh. couldn't stand the cramped quarters. Yeah. And you really never get used to that. I, I was just like, I, I was, it was so claustrophobic. This, this was something you were able to get used to. I mean, I had to because I spent two full days in the damn thing <laughs> when I was sick. Uh, but, I mean, it's, it's well-appointed. Um, and we got the – so there are three, I think three or maybe four levels of accommodation 
the the lower deck is just that that size room with a window that doesn't open and it's size of a like a little yeah, hole porthole yeah but our room uh we decided to get the i think it's called a french balcony there's no balcony but the window the huge window goes down and i'm telling you that was a that was well worth it mm-hmm. that yeah. was well worth the upgrade i agree but it didn't give us any extra space and i think the next level up you get extra space and a balcony, and then I think maybe there's there's one amazing yeah. suite. I'm like not a, sure. Yeah, like I think the upgrade, you get a sitting room, yeah. and then it closes off, and then you've got the bedroom. Which is the same size as, as what we would have had. Yeah. Uh, anyway. Uh, but, you, but you know, the, the, the reason, and it, you, you get kind of the logic of the size of the room, is the boats have to go through locks. Yeah. We, we go through, on the, on the Duro, we went through five locks getting to... Uh, our our Spain destination, mm-hmm. and then you know we come back through them. They're tight, like they're inches on each side of the boat. So you you don't have the width to have yeah. larger rooms because you need a passageway in between the, the cabins. What is it? Eleven meters wide and thirty seven meters long. Thirty seven meters long. So it's a long long ass boat, and. Yeah. So they do have them stretched lengthwise, but to Julie's point, you know the the actually the bathroom wasn't wasn't terribly small. It was workable. You could turn around in it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you just have to get used to that. Um, fortunately, you're, you're well, unless you're sick like I was, you're not in your room a whole ton because you're yeah. pretty busy. Yeah. Um, so we had our first night and uh, a nice dinner. Um, we, we, all, we were all quite tired from traveling, so we retired early. And, um, and then got up, nice, beautiful day in Porto, and we decided to go walk around and maybe go for a, um, port, a tasting. port tasting. Yeah. And you were a big fan of a um, company that's very well known called Sandeman. Well, okay, there are two uh, very well known companies, and especially from the point of view of Canada, the United States. So you'll always see Sandman's, you'll always see Taylor's, Taylor Flagate. Uh, you'll always see those brands at the LCBO and beyond. And uh, so that was my experience. I just happened to have, you know, we've had that port before. And so we went, we went and, and Sandman's has the biggest presence by far in part Porto. Mm-hmm. Yes. It's a huge uh, building and it's the right dawn on. The dawn is over. Yes. Every, yeah. The caped dawn is everywhere. Mm-hmm. So we went in there and we, oh yeah, we saw, we were, <laughs> we were having a drink and we were just uh, like a coffee just before heading over and we noticed a bus pull up. So we gargled our <laughs> coffee and boogied over there to get ahead of them. And, uh, oh, we made it in just in time for all these uh, tourists. And we rush up to the front desk and uh, we say, yeah, well, we'd like to sign up for a tour, please, quickly. <laughs> <laughs> and they said, sorry. Yeah. We can uh, we can fit you in at 3.30. And, you know, our boat sailed at 1.30. So, nope. <laughs> see, you, see you later. Thanks for the invite. <laughs> so we, we thought, well, maybe there are other tastings that are available to us. And we slowly start walking back and... And you know, saw uh, got, went into a few of them, and and you know wasn't wasn't really conducive to to staying there. And then this lovely guy from the U.S. Where was he from? Michigan. Michigan stop, stops us, and he says, "You really have to go to Bomdia." Of course, he he was wearing the Bomdia T-shirt. He says it's a family-owned um, operation. Yeah, I think they do like fifty thousand bottles a year, which is nothing in the world of port. Right, and uh, so in this. It was nestled 
in the back of the of the town like it's not on the on the strip right and so we walk back there and we're we're just there alone the four of us uh, we pay our our degustation fee and uh and Lucas comes out and greets us and we start our tour our own private tour it was fantastic it was just great and uh, it's funny by the time it was over there were multiple tours going on but we got there at just the right time uh, Bom Dia, they've been around since 1846, and as Julie mentioned, they are just like a mom and pop. But because they've been around so long, they still have all these cool vintage tastings. And I think, I, I'm not sure if everybody got what we got in terms of the tasting, because we were really expressing a, an interest in, in some of this stuff. Yeah. And, um, and I have a little knowledge in this from taking my wine courses, but uh, you know what? It was... I got to tell you, that was the highlight of the trip for me. Huh. Really? Well, it, he was just so amazing. And he walked you through like he made it very understandable. If yes. you've never, you know, to in layman terms about how the, the how it's created, what is, you know, applied to uh, to the port to make it what it is. Port is a uh, it's a fortified wine. Right. So um Typically, your your uh, regular wines will tap out at about you know between twelve and fourteen percent alcohol. Well, port, if you look on the bottle, is kind of a nineteen to twenty percent alcohol. Mm-hmm. How does it get that way and retain all its sweetness? So what they do is they add spirits to the blend. And you know he was kind of going through how that all happens and the difference between ruby ports and uh, tawny ports. And then, of course, there are white ports. I, I did not know that there were white ports. And white ports are served as a, an apéro, an aperitif. It's, it should be served at a chilled. Uh, and uh, we tasted a, a, a little bit of it, and it was delicious. I could totally see that, you know, a, a small ga- a glass of white port with a cheese platter, charcuterie, olives um, would blend beautifully. Yeah. So I, I learned that. I also learned at Bombdia that they didn't make rosé um, port. Okay. Um, they did red, and that comes in two different. Yeah, the, yeah, the ta- the tawny and the ruby, but but the but the white though, I got stumped on this because he showed some uh, uh, yeah, samples, yeah, yeah. Yeah. and he goes, "What's that one?" And I looked at it, and it looked like a tawny. I said, it's a tawny. And he goes, no, that is a historically aged uh, white. And they turn red. They, over time, the whites actually turn, it's sort of an orangey color, right? Yes. And he had me because it was very close to the same color as the tawny. Right. And he also explained um, the shelf life once a bottle is open. Oh, that was really interesting and something I did not know. So the rubies are typically, you open them, you drink them. Because they're younger. Yeah, I think they said like three days. It should be, yeah, consumed within three days. But some of these like 10, 20, 30, 40-year-old tawny ports, mm-hmm. like a 40-year-old tawny port, which is going to, that's going to be about 155 euros. Yeah. That will, that has a shelf life like a spirit yes. almost. Yep. Months yep. and months and months yep. and months. Exactly. Exactly. And uh, that was really interesting. Uh, and and that some of the rubies turn into tawnies and then get recategorized, hmm. and uh, it, it I'm, for me I, I like the tawny ports. They're just they've just they've got this coffee caramel flavor. They're just delicious. And you know here's something that I think we all agreed on. Yes, it's a, a sweet wine. So if you're not 
uh, a particular fan of sweet wines, um, you may be thinking, well, it's not for me. But it's not like an ice wine or, or uh, it, it's not like sweet wines that have that cloying uh, quality, mm-hmm. which is not a good one. That's that sort of donut sugar quality yeah. that after you have a little bit in your mouth, you've got that cloying taste. Port has it's a, just a different kind of sweetness, isn't it? It's very enjoyable. Yeah. And I'm not typically a fan of, of the sweet wines, and I really did enjoy it. Um, you particularly, and and Brian, favored one, oh, wow. <laughs> one particular bottle. And I, I'm surprised that he broke that out for us. And uh, But I think he knew we would be buying some if, if he did. And uh, it's funny, every vintner has a different vintage year Be- because you can understand that. Every vintner is going to be experiencing different weather conditions mm-hmm. and as a result, different terroir. And their year was 2016. He said a lot of the others in the area were 2017, but he said 2016 was a particularly beautiful vintage and it tasted completely different huh. from all the others. Yeah. yeah. I think Lucas was saying there were 10 factors to make it a perfect year. I see. You know, and I'm, I'm I'm not sure what all 10 of them are, but that year, 2016, was a home run. And uh, if, if you're ever in Porto, check out Bom Dia, B-O-M, and then new word D-I-A. Uh, first of all, just a very well-run place. They've got, they've got shipping for pretty much anywhere in the world. Except? Utah and? Canada. The mafia <laughs> booze country of the world. Canada's LCBO and, and, and SAQ, SAQ and, yeah. mafia. That's all I can say, and I'll say it here. They just, it's... Oh. Don't be bringing other booze into the country. What an absolute racket. And they've tried. And, and this happened when we went to the Armagnac tasting, remember? Yes, yes. We said, do you ship to Canada? And he goes, no. And that's where we learned the word. He said, it's mafia. That's what the guy said to us. It's the mafia. So, uh, yeah, they're very protective in Canada about this kind of thing, whereas, uh, with the exception of Utah, which is a state-run, you can send it to anywhere in, uh, first of all, anywhere in Europe, obviously, but anywhere in the United States except for uh, for Utah. And, man, did they ever make that an easy experience. Really easy. Our shipment actually should be arriving very shortly. I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we picked up, a, I think I picked up a couple of those 2016s. We, we did want to get a white, right? Yes. We got a white. Yeah. And then, a, I think, a, a tawny, a 20-year tawny or something like that. Anyway, it was really well worth it. Uh, learned a ton about it. Lucas and Rui were just amazing and... Uh, that, that was a great way to kick off our trip. It was a great highlight. So we made it back to the boat, and uh, at 1.30, we, uh, we set sail. Yeah, and uh, I just, you know, I was leery about that at first. I mean, what are we doing, paying all this money for this trip? We just sit on the boat. But it was actually very comfortable because you had an opportunity to just kind of sit down, relax, go see Porto a little bit, mm-hmm. and then float away just after lunch. And so we started going through the locks, and one of the locks, I, I'm like, can't remember the name of it, but is the deepest lock in Europe. All of Europe, yeah. Uh, I think it's 115 feet. And and so here's what here's what's happened. Um, over the years, they used to run the barrels down on these little boats, and we'll show you pictures of the boats on the Facebook page at Jeff and Julie moved to France. Um, this is before the locks system was incorporated, and 
man, they used to lose people. They used to lose port. It was just this rush because it, the elevations are so different. Mm-hmm. It was just this rush to the ocean. And of course, you can't control the levels either. Yeah. Uh, so in a dry year, the boats are running aground. Uh, in, in, a, in a high year, you're not able to make it under the bridges. So they created this system. Was it the 50s or 70s? Uh, I'm not sure. Yeah, uh, but in in the last century, they created this lock system similar to what you have in the larger degree of what you have in the Kawarthas, for instance. Mm -hmm. You know, when you're going from, say, Buckhorn to uh, Lovesick or that kind of thing, you have locks there. They're they're just little tiny 20, 30 footers, but it controls the water levels in the Kawarthas. Well, it's the same thing here for... Uh, for the Douro River. And a, as a result, the, it, you very rarely have issues with uh, boats like ours not being able to navigate the river. Right. No, it was it was very smooth sailing. The water was gorgeous. Um, getting back to the, the port um, making, when they were shipping before the locks, I think we were told it would take like three days to get into Porto, but it would take like months to three, get back. Three months to get back. <laughs> yeah. Because the, the the water rush was so severe, they used to have to get to the shore, take a line up to where a guy would have oxen, mm. and the oxen would pull the boats up to a specific spot in the river. Yeah. Really complicated. Oh. And dangerous. And dangerous. Yeah. So it's much simpler now. Yeah. And it's beautiful. These locks work great, uh, providing there's no lineup. You just kind of, they just coast on in there. And uh, on the way up uh, towards Spain, you're going up, uh, as uh, as is the logic. And so each lock, you're going up higher and higher and higher. And how many do you, do you go through? Three or four? I think four? it was five. Five, five. locks. Yeah. Five locks in yeah. total. Yeah. I think so. Yeah, no, it was a, it was really interesting going through those locks, and um, you know we we were able to um, go, navigate through them, and then they would the boat would dock at the next destination. Correct. And yeah. oftentimes they had excursions for us. Right. Um, that involved buses. That they had lots of buses. Yeah, and this is where the trip sort of fell short for me. I mean credits to Uniworld. I mean, I don't know how else they can do the Duro because there's not, there are not a lot of cool excursions close to the river. So, you know what, I don't know how they, but we did mention it in our notes, just saying, you know, I'm, I hate, I hate buses, hate buses. I don't know what it is about buses. And we've got another bus story for you uh, next week on part two. Uh, But so I didn't participate in too many of these excursions. I kind of looked at it and went like, okay, for instance, the excursion. So they get to the end of Portugal. And before they enter Spain, uh, they just they're basically just turning around in Spain, but they want to take you to Salamanca. Okay, great. It's two hours each way on a bus for an hour and a half walk around Salamanca. No, not happening. <laughs> so funny. Um, well, that brings me to the French phrase of the day. Okay. Are you ready? Yeah, what? You're, uh, you're going to get this one. It's two words. Oh, now the pressure's really on. I blow this and everyone's going to go, are you ta- really taking French classes? Auberge Espagnole. Oh, a s- Spanish hotel. Yep, Spanish Inn. Spanish Inn. So, the reason I bring this up mm-hmm. is 
you can have a meal, un repas, à l'auberge espagnole. So I looked it up because this is the second time I've heard that expression. That that. What's oh, an expression? Yes, that you're going to have a meal à l'auberge espagnole. It means that you bring your own food. That's what that means. It's what that means. So it, it, this expression should, dates that, back. That should be called uh, auberge hollandaise. <laughs> Well, no, they, uh, people from Holland, they come to France, they bring all their own food. It's the strangest thing I've ever seen. Anyway, go ahead. Well, okay, so it has some history. It dates back to the 18th century, and it has to do with the route de Saint-Joseph uh, de Compostelle. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the the route that goes through Portugal, France. Oh, yeah, yeah, the walking Spain, thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. For, the, for the pilgrims. I have a, I have a friend who, who does this all the time. Right. So apparently, the Spanish leg of things... That Spaniards weren't very good hosts. Okay. So people that were pilgrims would have to bring their own food. Oh my God. And so the expression stuck. Auberge espagnole. So yesterday I'm on the phone making reservations for a party in Tremont. Okay. And he goes, okay, we're having a, a you know paella for lunch and blah blah blah. And if you want to stay, we're having a, an auberge espagnole uh, for dinner. And so the ah. party continues if we want it to, but we have to bring our own food. That's wild. Mm-hmm. I've never heard that in my life. Well, now you'll remember. That so, is really cool. Yeah. And, and we were invited to an auberge espagnole at Easter. Well, wait a minute. If we back up to last year's Tremont lunch, that's where we met our Tremont group. Yes. And then we went to their place afterwards yes. for... But the, but they they had the food. Yes, so. but no. But the the auberge espagnole is going to be in oh, yeah, the no, party I room, right? I understand. Yeah, it's, I'm, I won't be there. No, I know. No, I know. It's too much. It's I, too it, many. Too many. Too, too much long. French. Well, it's yeah. Too much French, and it's too long. Everything's so long here. Like you start at noon, and it's like nine o'clock at night. Are you kidding me? Yeah. So it's going to be really interesting because we're blending two groups. Yes, we are blending. Yeah, we are because we have our friends uh, Olivier and Segaline. They're going to join us and meet this other group. <laughs> all my friends are going. Who is this guy who has all these <laughs> these groups? All of these friends. So, all this social activity. I thought you just sat in a in a cabin like a hermit. Um, but uh, no, we're and and we know this is going to be a hit because they're all great people. Yeah, and, exactly, and <laughs> exactly. Lots of laughs. Yep. No, it's going to be very very fun day. Um, by the way, one of the things we also wanted to mention, if you're thinking about booking these cruises, and they're great, they're fantastic, very little to complain about. I mean, the comments that we sent them were mainly glowing with a f- just, you know, our take, that's all, on on how things may, may be able to be inc- uh, improved upon. But one of the things they don't tell you, and it sort of goes against doing a huge upgrade in your room. They don't tell you that when you dock in these little harbors along the way, mm-hmm. you're picturing that you're on a dock and you're alone. And then if there are other boats, they're in front or behind. No, they're not. They sandwich the boats. So you could be, and this happened. We we came in and we were the second boat. And as our boat is coming close to the next boat to to lock up with them there's this woman 
who's paid top dollar yeah. for her balcony. Yeah. She's out there with a glass of wine and a book, and all of a sudden we come up and we're two inches from her balcony and yeah. she can't see past our boat. So that's something they don't tell you about on these river cruises. I'm not sure if that's the same with the Rhine or some of these other European cruises. But And, and by the way, it, we we were Uniworld. We docked next to a Viking, you know. And it, yeah, it, and it, there it, were other European companies yeah. as well. And you so then, if you want to go ashore, you walk through one or two boats. Maximum is three that we saw anyway. But you walk through their boat, yeah. or somebody's walking through your boat. Yeah, and somebody somebody on each side of the sandwich gets to keep their view. Everybody else. Yep. No. Yep, and it varies. You it know, does. Yeah, it does. So just, you know, keep that in mind. If you are thinking about booking one of these cruises, I think that's really good information to have. When you're booking it, maybe you can ask. Uh, Will there be sandwiching? Will there be sandwiching? Uh, because I think it's uh, fairly important. All right, this is part one, but on next week's show, we will conclude our two-part series on our riverboat cruise to Portugal. Uh, the return home on another airline, not nearly as smooth as EasyJet. We'll also tell you about the golden visas of um, Portugal and Spain and some new information on la taxe d'habitation in France. Oh, yay! <laughs> yay. Okay, au revoir! <laughs> au revoir. <laughs>